Hey folks and welcome to another episode of the Mountain Bikes Apart podcast. This is the show all about equipment, trail guides and everything in between. And right now we're in the middle of a beginner's uh, series, aren't we Tom? We are, yeah. Just uh, help, trying to help out some newbies to uh, to the sport of mountain biking. <laughs> yeah, we're doing sort of fundamentals. So uh, last episode we talked about bike handling. So try to describe uh, the fundamentals of getting around uh, corners, uh, getting yourself set up for doing really technical climbs. Uh, and this time we're moving on to equipment. Uh, so as usual, I'm Colin Gray and uh, joined by Tom Bell, the mountain bike racer extraordinaire. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Having a good day today, Tom? Yeah, great, thanks. It's um, I'm just going to get out on the bike um, a little later today. Um, weather looks good, so yeah. uh, all good. Yeah. Good stuff. It's not so good up here, actually. It's a bit grey, but... Uh... Friday though, so end of the week. I might be able to get yeah. out on my bike this weekend. I'm determined actually to get out this week. I've done absolutely nothing except for work and childcare this week, so I really need to get out <laughs> and uh, get some fresh air. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, right. Let's. So we were going to cover this. We were just chatting. We were going to cover uh, basically the whole bike in one episode. And then we decided that's ridiculous because there's far too much to cover. So we're going to split this in two. We're going to go through, I think on this episode, we're going to go through the cockpit. So that's all about, you know, the front end of the bike, basically everything that the handlebars cover. So that's everything from the handlebars themselves to your stem, to the grips, to brakes, shifters, all that kind of thing. So we're going to cover that whole front end of the bike. Basically yeah. all the controls, I suppose, of the bike. Um, That's and, it, yeah, control. Yeah. And then next episode, we'll go on to the, sort of the, the rest of the bike, essentially. So that'll be on to how to set up your saddle, your seat post, and looking at wheels and tyres as well. Uh, maybe even, actually, we haven't got it on the list at the moment, but we're good to just go through suspension too. So how to set up, even, especially if you've got back suspension too, just cover that a wee bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, but definitely. Yeah, right. So let's get into the cockpit in this one, though. How are we going to go through this? Where are we going to start? <laughs> what about, um, let's work our way up. So let's call it from the stem up to the middle of the bars and out to the end. We'll try and do it in some kind of unorganized way. So, uh, so we'll go from uh, from the stem first. Um, how would you, right, okay, stem. How do you choose your stem length and the rise? What are the variables? Length and rise really aren't there. So why don't you uh, so. give us an introduction to that? Yeah, I think so. It, again, it, it all depends on what kind of riding you want to do, um, whether you want to race, whether you just want to kind of uh, do some enduro or some all mountain kind of stuff. That that um, that the discipline that you ride kind of affects the the length and the rise and that kind of thing. So generally speaking, um, more cross country racy orientated uh, stem setup is going to be a slightly longer stem. So maybe 90, 90 millimeters, um, something like that. And then often a negative rise. If you look at the kind of World Cup cross-country races, you'll see that a lot of them actually have a negative, a very negative stem. Yeah, that gets the kind of front end down, which isn't always the best for uh, handling. Um, So on on the really steep stuff, it pitches your weight a bit more forward. Okay. But um, it it puts you in a bit more of an aggressive position um, when you're on the climbs and, and... and lowers your body for the for the really steep climbs, which are obviously a big, a big part of uh, cross country. Um, uh-huh. but so is that so is that giving you more power, or are you talking about balance? What's the benefits of that having your weight right forward? I, I mean, I think it's just I think it's just a better. It, it brings your kind of uh, upper body down slightly. So I think that can help definitely with with a bit of power generation on the on the climbs. 
Um, maybe a lower position in terms of aerodynamics. Uh, I, I'm sure the the gain, the aerodynamic gains from that are quite low, but uh, cross country races are willi- willing. To, yeah, <laughs> cross country races are willing to do anything. I think to to get some free speed. Yeah. Um, so, but I I tend to I tend to think I, I've had my sort of stem quite quite negatively. Uh, pitched and i'm starting to bring it up ever so slightly just with the courses um becoming a bit more technical okay um and then i think as you get more towards you know all mountain riding and that kind of thing the stem length um shortens just to give you some uh a bit of a tighter kind of uh steering setup and the the rise is typically uh, a positive rise or at least kind of flat um as compared to cross-country racing yeah yeah. i mean there's so um for me there's a there's a bit of comfort in here as well isn't there like especially if you're doing much longer rides um shorter stem higher rise lets you set up a bit more definitely uh, yeah. gives you a bit more yeah a bit more control of your handling but also actually just stops killing your bike if you're out for stop killing your <laughs> killing your back sorry your back, if, you, yeah. if you're out for four or five hours or something like that on a long enduro ride or cross-country ride so yeah plus i think probably for the downhillers that's really when you're going for a really short stubby stem with mm. a wee bit of rise isn't it because you're you're always your bike's always pointing downhill so you don't want to be pitching forward on a downhill you want to be kind of uh, weight a little bit more back in that kind of situation so that's when you're looking at yeah that short stem exactly uh, yeah exactly so so just again it's uh comes comes down to what what kind of stuff you you're riding um the most and yeah. um and what kind of inspires more more sort of confidence in in you? Yeah. Um, definitely a positive rise and having the the bars you know uh, level with or slightly higher than the than the saddle is is really good for 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 technical riding and and steep steep downhills. Yeah, yeah. I tend to go for for my just general riding. I just have um, a kind of mid length stem, so it's somewhere in between that kind of totally stubby zero length uh, downhill yeah. one up to the maybe ninety or a hundred mil or so for the for a long one. So I'll have something around fifty fifty mil or so with a wee bit of rise on it. Um, but yeah, what's what length stem do you use? You, have you got like a two meter one on or something ridiculous for your cross country? I, th- I yeah. think it's ninety. I think it's ninety millimeters. Oh, it's not that long. Then. It's it's yeah. not too bad. No, I, I run the same kind of stem on the uh, on the road bike as well as the mountain bikes. Um, yeah. Obviously, my mountain bikes are, are just are race bikes. They're cross country race yeah. bikes. But I definitely, like you said, I think the best um, the best stem length and rise and that kind of thing for your average kind of. Uh, trail rider or all mountain rider is uh, somewhere in between that kind of downhill setup and the uh, and the more racy, racy orientated, and that's definitely what I'd be using on a uh, you know on a, a a bike with a little bit more suspension and uh, a little more all mountain orientated. Yeah, if you want to be able to point it downhill, basically, yeah. So right, attaching to the stem, then up from the stem, we've got the handlebar itself. So there's a lot of options in handlebars, isn't there? Um, there is. And it's kind of similar, I think, in that we're thinking about length, uh, width in this, in this case, I suppose, um, and rise as well. So you get totally mm. flat handlebars, you get riser handlebars. So what's uh, why would you choose one or the other? Yeah, I guess it follows in the same uh, same way as the stem does in terms of uh, the downhill riders uh, that want uh, or more downhill orientated riders that that want that kind of height um, and better position when it gets steep will obviously go for a, a larger rise on the handlebar yeah. um, 
and then again all mountain is all mountain or your general kind of uh, bar is probably somewhere between a flat bar and a uh, sort of low riser so you've yeah. got a kind of a slight bit of um slight rise there but nothing nothing too uh, nothing too severe um and yeah down to the the, the cross country more cross country where it's usually a flat bar there, there have there, there are definitely some riders that use um a, a low riser um on the on the race circuit um and i think typically in cross country racing flat bars used to be used because you'd use them with bar ends kind of yeah um <laughs> and bar ends and a riser bar is a almost the ultimate no-go um <laughs> so when uh when the bar ends kind of started getting ditched and they're they're pretty much gone now um yeah. you know the the riser bars kind of came into came came more into into racing as the course has got more technical and that kind of thing yeah, um yeah so yeah, i mean I, a, a big rise bar is just more comfortable to hold when you're on the climbs isn't it in terms of it yeah. puts your hands in a wee bit of a uh, more comfortable position mm-hmm. but in the downhills as well it gives you a bit more it's well it's higher obviously so you're you're not leaning over as much it gives you a bit more control a bit more handling um, yeah, yeah. I, I, again, I'm kind of a mid, a mid rise type of guy again because I want to be able to do both up and down and still mm-hmm. be able to get a bit of control over it. So, um, I tend to take a bit off the length as well. I get the hacksaw to the bars because, uh-huh. so the wider the bars, obviously, the more control you've got because you've got more leverage. Leverage, even put your hands out wide, then you can mm-hmm. uh, get really fine control over your your steering left and right, obviously. But yeah. the, the narrower the bars become. You know the kind of more fiddly your steering becomes. So, um, but then on the other hand, <laughs> quite easy to catch a really wide bar on a tree as you're passing it too. So there's a bit <laughs> of a balance there, isn't there? Yeah, there is. There's some there's some trails that, especially the trail centres that um, have some really narrow, um, you know, dodging round trees and that kind of thing. <laughs> so you definitely want to uh, cut your bars down to, or get the bars to a width where you can. Um, at a decent amount of speed and you know negotiate around these yeah. kind of uh, trees and different different obstacles but definitely uh, the wider you go the more control you've got um, and the more it actually opens your chest out a little more so you know in terms of breathing it can I think it can help um, ever so slightly okay. yeah. with that um, I remember a, a few people uh, talking about that as a benefit of a you know more of a riser bar or or a wider bar yeah that's interesting and, um, I never thought about it that way yeah, I mean, if if I guess it, I guess it makes sense if you think of a really really narrow bar, it kind of you know brings your brings your shoulders um, a bit further forward and closes closes your chest a little more. Yeah, whereas a wider sense. bar does yeah it does open the shoulders a little more. So that can that can be an, another nice little benefit. Um, cool. Okay, dogs. Uh, I think that's probably it for width and tech. There's not that. I mean, basically, it's high rise and width, isn't it? Uh, sorry, the the size of rise and the width yeah yeah um, and again yeah like you say it's down to high rise for downhillers flat for cross country really uh, and width to suit the type of conditions you're in yeah and then you can you can obviously you can experiment with you know you, you can definitely have a slightly um uh, narrower bar on a on a more aggressive bike if that's the way that you uh, prefer to set up your bike and that yeah. feels most comfortable but your you typical setup yeah as we've said you kind of go from a really wide right 
big rise bar at the downhill kind of end and then it sort of uh, narrows and flattens yeah. as you go more towards it uh, more racy <laughs> more racy more cross-country racy cool. yeah so what about material for it then um i <laughs> it's the one part of my bike i've never ever been willing to trust to carbon is handlebars warrior <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what do you think i think um yeah, the, I think the issue with with carbon and where the kind of um, fear comes in is that, that they're really strong in in terms of you know flex and um, torsional strength and that kind of thing. They're um, they're arguably stronger in some regards than than some aluminium uh, or some at least some cheaper aluminium bars. It's I guess it's when you when you take a big impact on them that uh, that they you know an aluminium bar or some kind of metal bar is very unlikely to snap in half as much as a uh, carbon bar is yeah yeah um and uh, it's funny on on the road just just switching to the road quickly a lot of the pro road riders actually use an aluminium bar on on their bikes okay. um rather than a carbon one which you, you wouldn't necessarily um think they would do because you you you'd expect them to be uh, trying to get the the weight down of their bikes yeah, it's all lower, about the weight. But, yeah yeah yeah, but it obviously brings in that question of security. And uh, it, it, with carbon, you know, if you if you have a big stack, and even if the bar survives, you know, you don't really know how much damage has been done. And yeah, it's kind of really best practice to replace it, or at least get some kind of um, survey done on the bar to see if there's any internal cracking or any yeah. if it's yeah. been compromised. Whereas you don't have that with an aluminium bar. You know, you're not going to. Uh, it's either going to snap completely or it's generally going to be fine, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot more obvious, certainly, if something has gone wrong, isn't it? You can see a, a bend or a crack in aluminium a lot yeah. more easily than you can in a carbon where it can be quite well hidden, I think. Exactly. Um, and, and I mean, there there is something to say about having a carbon bar. Into, carbon is, I think, a little better at um, taking some of the buzz out of the trail mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it potentially feels a, a little better um, mm-hmm. than an aluminium bar in terms of uh, being battered around and, and things like that but I think if you've sure. got a kind, a kind of carbon frame and, and some good suspension that kind of feels minimal so um, and it, unless you're really trying to save a lot of weight um, by getting a really super light carbon bar I think yeah. Generally speaking, for you, especially for your beginner and um, your general rider, I think uh, an aluminium bar or, or a metal bar of some description is always going to be the uh, the safest option. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, handlebars aren't exactly the the heaviest of components anyway, are they? They're pretty. Even aluminium bars don't weigh very much because they're exactly. hollow, obviously. So yeah, you can get some really light aluminium bars, and I think the weight saving in in that. Uh, in that part of the bike is fairly minimal yeah they're more even customizable as well aren't they aluminium because you can't well i don't think it's particularly wise to cut the ends off your carbon bar um whereas you can customize your aluminium bar a lot more easily with the hacksaw or whatever you can make it the exact width you want it to be yeah you d- you definitely can cut the carbon bars down so i i've i've done that okay. so, as well but it's it's not as you know clean a process you've got kind of carbon fibers yeah. everywhere and you have so definitely got to be to careful. do that then because i'd i'd read in the past that actually it's quite easy to co- compromise your bar uh like you said earlier um with carbon it's so you can do it yourself yeah as far as i know i mean the the the, the bars that i've got have got you know guides on them you know mm-hmm. you've you've got those uh, little lines that show you kind of yeah, different yeah. segments that you can cut off yeah. um 
Um, I've, okay. I've done it to a fair few bars, so whether I've just yeah, been yeah. Uh, naively uh, cutting away when I'm not supposed to, I don't no, know. No, no, but, no, no. I think maybe uh, it, maybe it's I'm, a change in construction or something yeah, in the recent it, years, or maybe it's just something I picked up wrongly years ago. But yeah, just curious. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I think it's uh, I've done it, and I haven't had any kind of uh, severe repercussions. Knock on wood, yeah, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's okay, but yeah, it's probably that they've just um, improved the technology and improved the the um, structure, you know, uh, rigidity of the bars and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and it probably wasn't good practice in the past. Yeah, maybe. Cool. Okay, let's move out the bars then. So, what's on the bars? That's where our main controls are. Yeah. First of all, where are you put your hands, the grips. What about grips? Um, I started experimenting with uh, screw-on grips actually a while back. Yeah. I'd never had. To, I don't know why I'd never tried them before, but actually they're really good. <laughs> I hadn't yeah. really noticed how much my old-school plastic grips moved about until I got myself a good set of screw-on grips. Hmm. Yeah. The. Uh... The grips is, you know, if you if you want anything particularly uh, sturdy, it's probably the grips. Uh, you don't want, they definitely don't want them moving around. And um, with, like you said, with plastic ones or or certain types of material, you know, rubber ones that just kind of slip on, um, you only need to get a little bit of moisture under there and um, it, they can start moving around. It's a really un, unsettling feeling. Yes. <laughs> um, so I think, uh, yeah, lock-on grips are a, a, gr- a great um upgrade if your bike doesn't come with it or they're they're a great thing to have um for for your general riding uh, and for yeah. beginners because it just gives that that added security um again going back to uh, handlebar material uh, you're definitely better having uh, an aluminium bar um for that you know um in, in terms of having lock on grips yeah yeah so you don't damage uh, it by screwing it in too hard yeah yeah that's it the carbon fiber is not very good um when it's when it's being kind of yeah compressed like yeah, that so you've yeah. got to uh you've got to be careful with how tight you put the stem bolts um, yep. on, on the front of the stem as well as um, wrench by that point eh? that i think so torque wrench would probably, probably be a good idea so you don't <laughs> uh you know compromise some expensive carbon bars yeah but um i think with grips generally speaking it's it's not it's probably not a great idea to have um lock on grips on those but to yeah. definitely lock on um for, for your aluminium bars and for your general riding is a great yeah. great way to to have some security there yeah so i've always i've always just bought grips by how cool they look basically <laughs> is there I think anything a lot of people do <laughs> is there anything you have like do racers think about anything more than that in terms of grips do you get better some good grips some bad grips uh, apart from just you know material assuming that you've got a decent quality set is there anything else to it yeah well, I've got I've got a sponsor that um, that is called ESI Grips, um, and I've been using their their grips for for years. And what they are are a silicon based grip, so they're not they're not lock on or anything like that. They are just a a regular you know um, tube that you mm-hmm. that you slide on. But they're they're made of a silicon compound, which is uh, great for just you know dampening the trail vibration. Um, sure. So they're they're a little bit thicker and they're quite squashy. Um, but once they're on there, they just do not do not move you know like i said I, I in a previous podcast i raced um in some horrendous conditions in uh in portugal and i've actually raced in some fairly wet conditions most of the year but um, <laughs> <We didn't. laughs> come to scotland and try them out yeah yeah, yeah exactly um but they're this silicon based grips um that these esi ones and i think there's a, maybe a few others that do silicon based grips um they're 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 great they're, they're honestly don't uh they they 
they nearly give the same kind of um, security as a lock-on grip in terms of they just do not move. Right. And um, and you can get those in loads of different colors. Um, yeah, yeah. So I've got I've got some that match the kind of kit and brand brand of the team, which yeah, is yeah. always nice. And um, they're used by quite a lot of the top cross-country racers. And I'm pretty okay. sure they'd translate into other types of you know more aggressive types of riding as well. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, that's good stuff. We'll make sure there's a wee link to them in the show notes. So we'll can check yeah, them out if they sure. want to. Right, beyond the grips then. So your hands are on the grips, but your fingers are on the other things. They're on the brakes and the shifters. So first of all, um, thinking about brakes, uh, there's a few different things that go into setting up your brakes really, isn't there? Mm. Um, the first one for me is always how close they are to the grips, like where you want your hands to be on the grips. Yeah. Uh, so like doing single finger braking, for example, your finger's right on the kind of the, the crook, I guess, of the end of the mm. handle. That's it. Um, anything else you think about when you're setting them up? No, I think I think that's definitely the main thing, which is kind of brake lever travel. So how much, how far out the actual lever is from the bars, and then how much it's got to um, travel to um, to to engage the brake. So travel, um, as in how far you have to pull it in towards the bar. It. You're talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so that's kind of a consideration, I guess. Yeah. It's a there's some some rules in terms of just you know making sure you don't have to stretch your finger out. Um, too far to, to yeah. be able to grab the brake lever but it's yeah. again it's all down to kind of personal preference yeah. um, and then in terms of the brake uh, lever position actually on the bars it's it's generally good be- best practice to have it um, have them angled um, downwards to the to the point where it's at, at the same angle that your kind of uh, fingers would outstretch kind of naturally so it's generally around a 45 degree angle I think so okay. somewhere yeah. around there um, again, some people have them higher up and that just feels more comfortable to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you're kind of setting them up for the very first time and not sure where to put them, then um, having them uh, follow the kind of uh, trajectory of your, your hand is probably the best way to do it. Yeah. And that, that's the thing with the, the distance along the bars as well. A lot of people, when they're first setting up their bike, I find just get the brakes and they jam them up against the grips straight away because they think that yeah. must be where yeah. to go because you can't leave a gap, can you, between the grip and the, <laughs> the brake uh, caliper? Uh, not caliper, the, where the, it attaches to the bars. But yeah, you, you want to move that. I generally have maybe one to two centimetres between the end of the grip and where my handlebars attach because that's just where I find my hands naturally sit so that my index finger ends up on that kind of that crook at the end of the bar, uh, the brake lever so yeah yeah that's a good point actually um just to yeah move them uh, so you can experiment with a kind of tilt um up and down of the, yeah. the brake lever and then uh side to side to make sure yeah. that yeah so your hands in a good position on the grip you know it's not hanging off the end of the the bar or it's too far inwards um, yeah. and then where your hands kind of naturally sit on the grip uh, yeah. you just want your kind of finger to to be in the right position on the on the brake lever as you said yeah. And you're talking about travel as well. I mean, uh, quite a lot of good quality hydraulic brakes certainly have travel adjusters, don't they? They've got a little twister, basically, a, a little, little dial, dial yeah. yeah, that you can bring it in and out. Um, and like you said, you don't want it to be too far out. So you want it to be comfortable when it's not engaged at all. But the bit that sometimes catches people is that you don't want it to come too far in either. Because if your hands are a bit too far on the inside of the grip, then suddenly you try and pull in the brake lever. But actually your other three fingers are in the way and you can't pull your brakes <laughs> in all the way. Yeah, and yeah. you jam your fingers in between the brake lever and the grip and then suddenly your brakes aren't coming on. And uh, yeah, there's a bit of trouble there. 
So uh, make sure you test full engagement and make sure it's not only just not hitting your fingers as well because your your brake pads will wear down over the course of a a ride sometimes or your you know Sorry. whatever you're using for your brakes so your travel will change a little bit over the course of the ride so you need to make sure there's a bit of, a bit of wiggle room in there <laughs> to make sure you're not yeah. hitting your fingers with them yeah definitely i guess that's where those uh, those travel adjustment dials come into come into yeah. play as well while you're when out you can there, just yeah. You, yeah exactly when you can just tweak them if you brake pad if you're on a particularly gritty uh, wet ride you know um, and you've got a set of organic pads in there that can weigh down quite quickly. So yeah. it's good to have that. And just to bear that in mind. Yeah, that's um, even more true if you're on uh, like V brakes and you're 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 wearing down real rubber pads because they can change. You know, the travel can change quite dramatically from a full yeah. pad to a you know an almost worn out pad. <laughs> Definitely scary stuff. Yes. Uh, okay, so last bit is the shifters. So gears, uh, where do we put these? Yeah, I think this is again more about. Um, it kind of follows along the same lines of the brake lever in terms of moving them side to side um, so that your thumb is in the right position. Because generally, I mean, you can. There's some shifters that you can use your thumb for both the um, both of the paddles. Or you could use the thumb and the kind of um, index finger. Yeah. Um, so it's just, yeah, that, that sometimes uh, with certain uh, brake brands and shifter uh, combinations, you've got um, what, what I call like matchmaker clamps. I think that's the SRAM, the SRAM one where you've oh, got... Oh, yeah, they tied together, yes. Well, they're tied together, yeah. So obviously they move in, uh, in tandem with each other. Um, but again, it's making sure that you're not kind of catching catching your finger or your fingers getting in the way when you want to shift and um and making sure that the, the hand is on is in the right position on the grip um when you want to shift up and down yeah yeah i mean i, I think for me actually i said before you but a lot of people uh, when they're first starting out they jam the brakes up against the grips uh and they tend to do the same with the shifters as well you'll mm. jam that up against the brakes and put it um, so it's all nice and neat basically so everyone's right next yeah. to each other but again you want to be playing around with it even little kind of a few millimetre adjustments I think can make a big difference actually to Definitely. how comfortable your hands are on the grips how easily you can get to those gears right, right when you need them um, and uh, yeah so just playing around with them a little bit Just I think the key thing is not being afraid to just get your uh, your allen keys out and just loosen them off and just kind of play around with them a wee bit sit on your yeah, bike um, yeah move your hands around so make sure it's in the natural position because a, a lot of people kind of worry that they're going to break it or something if they just mm. loosen off those allen keys I think those hex keys yeah, they do, um, and yeah, it's just every everything is like you know the cables. The cables going to stay um, tensioned the same way, and uh, there's going to be no issue with moving uh, a hydraulic you know lever around and stuff. So definitely, just uh, it's definitely about finding the right position for you, and yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, sometimes even taking, especially on the first ride, just taking a multi tool out with you on the yeah. on the bike, so you can make those. Um, position adjustments on the fly yeah, um, because there's not nothing worse than going out for a ride and finding that you know your hands are all you know jamming against the, the <laughs> shifter paddles and all that sort of stuff yeah yeah do you know something that we didn't mention back uh, with the handlebars and the stems in that sense is that 
handlebars actually, you always want them to be centred, obviously, but they can be moved back. Well, if they're rise bars, they can be moved back and forth as well. And it, I find that's, that's true, one yeah. of the things that makes a huge difference to the comfort of your ride, actually. Um, you'll go out and buy a set of um, high-rise, mid-rise bars or something like that, and you'll just stick them in there. But then just have a little bit of an angle back and forth can make a big difference. And obviously that changes where then your brake levers are going to be, your shifters are going to mm. be, just in terms of their angle too. So it's all it all ties together really strongly. And it takes, yeah, I, I, I quite often when I've just first set up a bike, I'll, I'll end up spending an hour on a ride just kind of stopping every five minutes and playing around with little bits and just getting it just right and yeah it's, i've it's, been there myself yeah. plenty of times uh, uh, and just you know you can feel it's funny how you can feel when something's only a millimeter or two off as well it feels completely wrong yes and um <laughs> yeah you can spend ages tweaking those kind of things yeah definitely <laughs> cool well i hope it encourages people to go out there and have a have a go with it at least to try and play around with their their setup and um maybe give you an idea that if you're listening that even building a bike actually like upgrading your components getting a new set of shifters a new set of brakes that type of stuff it's not that hard to do um setting up in the first place setting up the kit that you've got easy easy but yeah even adding new bits is not that hard to do so mm. i'll encourage you to give it a shot but as always if you have any questions related to that anything you want clarified anything you want us to go into in more detail send through an email at colin at mountainbikesapart.com or you can tweet us uh, i'm on colin mc gray tom is uh, that's by Tom Bell, so B-Y-T-O-M-B-E-L-L. Yep. And you can always find us at the show notes as well. We'll make sure to put some notes on there, summarise the stuff we've talked about, link to any of the kit we've talked about, like those grips Tom was explaining. Uh, so you can find them at mountainbikesapart.com forward slash 209, because this is episode 9 of series 2. So yeah, that was good. I enjoyed talking. I always like talking about kit. Yeah, I think everyone <laughs> everyone likes a bit of uh, equipment talk. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll get some uh, abuse back about people being Hopefully, bored, about yeah. the uh, incremental <laughs> yeah. adjustments to bits of uh, equipment on the front of their bike. Yeah, but, fingers uh, crossed everyone likes it. Yeah, I hope so, because we're going to do another episode on it. <laughs> so yeah, next time around, we'll go into uh, the back end of the bike. So that's going into uh, saddles, seat posts, wheels, tires, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we'll go through the setup of the rest of the bike. But yeah, thanks again for joining us on this one. Thanks for joining me, Tom. No problem, Colin. Enjoyed it. Thanks again. Good to speak to you as always. Are you out in the bike? Uh, no, you said that on the weekend. You're going to try and get out today, aren't you? I am. Yeah, I've got I've got a um, national race at the um, at the British Cross Country Series uh, race at the weekend. So I'm just going to get out for an easy one today. Yeah. Uh, went a little harder yesterday and the day before, so we're just about recovering a bit now for the uh, for the race on Sunday. Yeah, a bit of a warm up. Yeah, that's it. Okay, well, wherever you are listening, I uh, hope you get out on the bike this weekend as well and uh, that the sun treats you nicely. We get a bit of nice weather. Um, otherwise, we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. 